Hi, I'm Stathis, your host. Before we jump in this episode, let me introduce DevRelX. DevRelX is a hub for developer marketing and DevRel professionals. Stay home while DevRelX brings you rich content to boost your DevRel game. Access developer population insights, news, job openings, and more. Discover how to empower developers and grow communities at devrelx.com. Today's episode will start with a quote from our guest. What helps me get the best out of everybody and produce the best for developers is always keeping their needs and what they want prioritized. Welcome to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, a podcast from Slash Data. I'm Joe Stitchberry, one of the senior analysts in the team, and today I'm joined by Arabella David from Salesforce. Arabella, we've not met before, so I'll give you a short description of my background and then ask you to tell me and the listeners about yourself. I was an early mobile developer in the days of Symbian, and then I worked for Nokia and Sony Ericsson. I moved into publishing and technical writing when I realized just how difficult it was as a developer to find good explanations of difficult subjects. And since then, I've worked with a number of teams in developer marketing as a writer and a product manager, designing portals and writing content to attract and retain developers. So perhaps, Arabella, could you tell us a little bit about your bio and your background, please? Okay, thank you, Joe. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, Similar to you, I also did work for Nokia. Um, so I, I've been in the developer marketing and developer relations industry for about 15 years now. Um, oh gosh, uh, maybe a bit, a few years higher than 15 years. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. I think it's actually at this point closer to 20 years of experience in developer relations. I, I think the furthest back I can remember, uh, this kind of world was actually, um, when I was in university. It's more of a cultural thing for me rather than diving into code because what was happened what happened was I played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so my my friend group was just really into gaming. Um, and so what happened was um, we we were we were doing some gaming and then um, a lot of my friends were also into what was called the demo scene. Um, I'm not sure are you familiar with the demo scene? It's kind of a niche thing. Yeah, please do explain it, because although I'm familiar, I'm guessing that some of our listeners may not be. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) it's a a branch of um, computer culture, I guess, which is really concerned with um, having the best demos, as they call them, so like kind of visual or animated or music presentations within as small a file size as possible. Right. So, um, so it was actually a derivative of the crafter community. So the hacker community, they used to they hack into games and um, put their own intros into the games that they hacked. So this is like ancient computer history. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so this was, uh, this was the origin of kind of the, the cracker scene or the demo scene, because what happened was people got more into creating these incredibly elaborate, um, beautiful introductions to the cracked games rather than actually cracking the games themselves. <laughs> so it kind of branched into its own, I guess I, I like to call it an art form. And people did it competitively, right? So like what is the most um, compelling two minute demo that you can do with 4K, 
right? Or like, like these incredibly small file sizes and how can you um, kind of make beautiful music like with the restrictions of, a, of, of like chip tunes or whatever. So this whole aesthetic of like trying to get the most out of like very restrained chunks of code was just um, mm -hmm. something this in this intersection of the of the limitations of the code and the beautiful beautiful things you can make with it have kind of um, have, has kind of been my world and all of my activity has come out of that so um, I focus a lot on um, from that developer experience user experience and um, I think just because of that really formative time in my life I've always been developer -y. so <laughs> I've been in developer relations ever since they're kind of they're kind of my people and um, I just, I, I love just being in this world and seeing amazing technology come out of, of these creative minds. I know we're drifting off of my particular background, but that's where I started from. <laughs> Technically, um, I'm, I, I hung out a lot on IRC in addition to playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and I know that puts me in a very specific uh, kind of North American cultural niche. IRC, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, but what happened was I'm also from Los Angeles, right? I was born and raised in Los Angeles and I was going to school and I was thinking about what I wanted to do after, after college, right? So since I was hanging a lot, out a lot with friends um, on IRC, I did the thing that you're really not supposed to do today. So I made um, so many friends online and one of them said, hey, why don't you come visit me in Finland? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, and then I, I went to visit and it was an amazing country. And um, for somebody who's used to sunshine their whole lives, um, being in this place where winter is such an extreme fact was incredibly exotic to me. Um, so I moved there uh, kind of on a lark after school and I loved it so much and I met so many amazing people and I found, um, it's, uh, I found some great, great jobs out there and built a career. And I ended up living out there for about 11 years um, until relocating back to uh, the Bay Area here in California. So I speak Finnish. Um, I don't speak great Finnish, but, uh, but it's kind of, I guess, my fun fact is that- uh, Yeah, that is quite something. It is an amazingly difficult language. I just, I don't even know how you begin breaking the words down. This are so long. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I can speak Finnish, but not many people know what I'm saying. So it's, it's <laughs> very much a language skill of mine that's dying on the vine here in California. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do a lot of, um, like I said, developer relations is pretty much my bread and butter. Um, I love kind of sharing new technologies with the world. I love working with people who create the products and I love thinking about inventive new ways to reach developers. And lately in my new role at Salesforce, I love kind of opening the tent to, from what is traditionally seen or perceived as a developer. Um, I think most notably with some, some campaigns I did with Nokia and Microsoft called DVLUP. Um, I love expanding that out to say that anybody can really be a great developer. Anybody can learn code and kind of change the world around them and, and really, really be productive in today's society, like even if you don't have a traditional CS degree. I see. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, we'll, we'll come back a bit um, in a little while about um, to bringing people into the community and all kinds of different personas and identity. Um, but you just mentioned that you're in a new role at Salesforce. How long have you been in your current role? 
Oh yeah. So I've, I've actually only been with Salesforce for about two years and change. I've been with Salesforce um, and it's been an amazing journey so far. Um, I work in a part of the company called Teen Trailhead and um, we really work on things like learning platforms and um, help working with communities and reaching out to, that to developers and a very specific subset of developers that's very special to Salesforce who are called admins. Um, and they're kind of reflective of the uh, kind of the key values of the Salesforce platform itself, by which I mean um, people working on this platform can build applications um, whether they know code or not. So that's kind of a key differentiator between our platform and a lot of others. Um, but what I do is I actually run global developer marketing. Um, so I work very, very closely with folks like developer evangelists, so the, the people that hit the road, the people that write blog posts, um, and I work really closely with product managers um, and product engineers. So I kind of bring it all together um, and I, I work with them to translate what's being made um, into something that's quite simple and clear and that can be kind of broadcast or sent out to developers all over the world. Right, so, um, so the way we're constructed right now is uh, we have the global developer marketing team, which is me and my team. And we work really closely with the regional developer relations team. So um, as you know, as you probably know, different regions have very specific needs. Um, so they kind of focus very much on the campaigns and the outreach work that works for their areas. But there's very many channels that are optimized for kind of global consumption. So I would say, you know, pretty much all online work and, and communications falls under my team, as well as major global events, such as the developer, uh, developer conference called Trailhead DX, and the developer track and related activities on the expo floor for Dreamforce. So we're really busy. <laughs> <laughs> so um you obviously i mean i'm just still quite stunned by the fact that you just left los angeles and moved to helsinki um, after meeting someone online but did you think when you um took the leap over to finland that you would eventually find yourself back in the bay area running a global developer marketing team how do you think your younger somewhat rebellious self that got on a plane to helsinki would see um, your role now? Is it something that you would ever have envisaged? Um, you know, I, I, I am still in California. <laughs> <laughs> but, so my route to California has been, has been quite adventurous. But um, honestly, when I was younger, I didn't think that far. Uh, what I wanted to do was I just wanted to be in a position where if a really amazing opportunity arose, I could grab it. So all I knew when I came out of school was that, um, I guess the world was my oyster. Um, I didn't need to stay in California. And so my friend who was in, in Finland, she actually, the, the actual mechanics of me moving were, I had studied film production um, and digital media. And the company at the time was called uh, Telia Sonora um, that my friend had worked for. And she said, hey, we're trying out this new broadband thing. Um, and we're working on some videos that's 
we're trying to stream out to people because we're trying to get people to get broadband cable subscriptions. <laughs> cool, what do I need to do? And she said, well, we need you to go to different music festivals that happen in the summer and interview bands. And I was like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, you know, in Finland, we don't have that many people that, that study uh, film and digital media production. So like we could really use somebody um, who, who knows how to make things like that um, and also works pretty cheap. And since I had come out of school, I just come out of school and I was still building my career, I jumped at it. Um, so that's actually a little bit more detail about my background, which kind of helps kind of shed some light. Yes, that puts that, puts that into perspective. So do, what would you, looking back now, what would your advice be to um, your younger self as a, you know, a developer, marketing expert, and um, as somebody who's, you know, made the, made the transition and lived for 11 years in Finland, what, what would be your advice? Oh, geez. Um, so I think um, maintaining curiosity about the world around you is something that it's a skill um, and having that engagement with the people and the world around you helps you discover opportunities that um, you might otherwise miss. So this is kind of more global than just developer marketing and more, I guess, life advice. But in regards to, I'm trying to right now just, just drill it down into what that means for developer marketing. What helps me get the best out of everybody and produce the best for developers is always keeping their needs and what they want prioritized. So in terms of actual um, functional career work, as long as I keep that at the forefront and pair it with an emphasis on design and uh, kind of user experience, I have always been happy with the results. So those are my kind of two points of advocacy. And I'm always very clear and direct with people that I work with. That's what I'm striving for in everything that we produce. I see. Yeah, I think, um, I think people that are listening to this and maybe thinking about developer marketing would find that really useful advice. Um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, you know, not, well, maybe not yet in the field um, and maybe considering it. And I mean, you're not a software developer per se, although you've clearly had, um, you know, with your demos, you've had quite a lot of experience of constrained systems and, um, you know, a lot of the parameters. Do you think you need to be a developer and have a lot of developer experience to be effective in, in developer relations and marketing? No. Um, so I think one key thing that helped me a lot further in my career was while I was not a coder directly, there was a, a need for people who coded and people who were interested in these, in these demos to talk to each other. So one thing that was super fun that I was organizing um, was called um, assembly. And assembly is, uh, is this really cool thing in, they call it Heartwall Arena in Helsinki. Mm -hmm. And this was all my spare time, by the way, I wasn't actually paid for this, um, but this was just something that I, I was super interested in participating in because it was fun. Thousands of, people that are in the demo scene actually brought their computers. And in the day, they were massive towers plus monitors. <laughs> they brought their computers to a hockey stadium um, and set them up on these big, long tables. And then they, they had these competitions with each other where they would show off on these gigantic projector screens, right? Um, they, in terms of logistics and production, they, they couldn't do it by themselves. They needed help. So in order to really, you know, hang out with each other, to show off the skills to each other, there was this whole kind of world of infrastructure that was needed. 
So they needed people to help um, help set up the tables before the events. And they needed people to help with passing out tickets and selling money and sitting on cash boxes and like helping the website. There was this whole world of things that need to happen before the event. <laughs> that's where I kind of had naturally started applying my skills. And I had jumped in. I, when I was kind of seeing issues, I was just jumping on and helping. And that was my kind of learning path to um, events and also the developer world. So in a way, like that was a very, very long time ago. In a way, what I'm doing today in my career is extremely reminiscent of kind of those early days when we would have these, these massive demo scene uh, parties in Helsinki. Um, I don't know, I guess, I guess to help people's, wrap people's mind around it, it would be really similar to LAN parties. That might be something that's more, more accessible to people if they're not familiar with the demo scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was, I've mentioned this on the pod before. I think um, people that have listened to some of the earlier ones may, may remember. There was um, recently something else in Helsinki. It was the Quantum Game Jam. Um, and lots of people that are interested in quantum computing got together um, somewhere in Helsinki where there's a Ferris wheel. And they all sat on the Ferris wheel and went round and round with their laptops writing and code um, that use various um, quantum emulators to uh, build the games upon and then jumped in the sauna afterwards. Same kind of thing. It's just like getting like-minded individuals together and doing something a bit crazy, but, um, you know, building something wonderful out of it. Two things. So I think if it's the Ferris wheel that I'm thinking of, um, one of the uh, pods, I guess, in the Ferris wheel is actually a sauna. Um, Right. (laughs) Weird in a really delightful way. Um, And then the other one is, this is a a pure observation from from my perspective. But I think one of the reasons that Finland has a really disproportionate number of successful game companies, um, it can be directly attributed to this culture uh, of demo scene and of gaming. So the fact that um, that um, for a lot of the Finnish tech culture, people are so um, open to social engagement with each other via gaming um, and online, that culture maps very well to the culture of making a game company, right? Mm-hmm. So. I think, you know, just this is, this is just my, 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 my opinion on that, but I think those two things are very related to each other. And one thing that I found, as an aside, one thing that I found fascinating with Salesforce, and particularly with Team Trailhead, is that you can find a similar mapping. So with Team Trailhead, one of the things that we have in the community, which we call kind of the secret sauce, is that there is such a strong social component that we have with what we call the Trailblazer community and onboarding into the developer and admin ecosystem that we have here at Salesforce. And the demo scene that I had seen in my youth in Helsinki and the the direct developments of a lot of successful game companies. So that kind of um, modality, I guess, um, is very present. And we're all people and we wanna hang out with other people that do similar things and make great stuff. So there we go. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation. I always wondered why, um, you know, Nokia engaged. They were the, you know, the Nokia were the first to come up with such a highly specific gaming phone when nobody else was doing it. But that also explains a lot of that. And, um, you know, I, I worked in the engaged team and I loved it dearly. Um, and it's, yeah, that ties a lot together now in my mind. Yeah. Right, I'm going to move on. Um, you mentioned earlier, I said we come back to it, about encouraging people to... Um, develop depending on you know it doesn't matter what your background is you can come you can be a developer I really want to talk to you about diversity and identity 
Um, how do you encourage people to join your developer communities, particularly those that may be in a minority group? Yeah, um, so I think, like I said before, there, there's kind of a perception, right, that developers are, I don't, I don't want to be condescending towards this audience because this is the world I live in, but for people who aren't familiar with developers, you have like a pizza eating person, right, who like mm -hmm. drinks a lot of Red Bull or whatever. And that is so patently not the case, um, particularly these days when, when literally anybody can be a developer. Um, and I think with that kind of change, now that the internet is available to everybody and anybody can code, there's a lot of different ways for people to learn development, right? So one concrete thing that companies do, that Salesforce does, is um, we have this thing called Trailhead, which is a free online learning platform. And that, that's, that's free and anybody can start using it. So it's really leveled the playing field by empowering anybody no matter where they're coming from or kind of what they're doing currently to learn on their own, on their own terms at their own pace. So we have a couple of amazing examples um, of people. So there's this one guy named um, Zach Otero and he was, uh, he was, he has been around in our community for a while. He was actually uh, working in a meat processing factory, right? Um, and he needed to support his family. And he thought, even though kind of it had been in for a while to be at this kind of job, he wanted to do things in a way where he could support his, his family um, more effectively. So in his spare time, he started learning um, from Trailhead and taking the online modules and earning the badges. And now, like, he is working at a really uh, big company, being a, a successful um, employee of that, that company and making much, much more than he was before. So that's just one quick example. Um, we're doing a lot of active research, uh, research. we're doing a lot of active uh, outreach to um, people that are re-entering the workforce um, so that we have things called uh, that force, for example, um, where people who are kind of uh, retiring from the military or leaving the military can learn skills with this free online platform. Um, and the level of accessibility is really what um, impresses me about it. And the second thing about what really impresses me about Trailhead is the origin. So there's a lot of gamification that's happening in Trailhead. And I'm not sure if you've been to the website, but the way that you make progress in Trailhead is that you, uh, you earn badges and they're basically medals. And from a developer relations standpoint, what I find incredibly fascinating is that in uh, one of my previous lives at Nokia and at Microsoft, we actually had a very similar platform and it was called develop. So it's called D V L U P. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that joke because you were a Nokian as well. <laughs> yes, yes I am. <laughs> so, but it was almost the exact same infrastructure, right? So you could uh, win, you could win medals. Um, they didn't call them badges. They called them medals. And the way that you got these, uh, these medals, were by completing challenges. And it's the exact same gamification mechanism that we had in, for Trailhead that we had for Develop. But the scale at which we are increasing the outreach towards um, people who might not consider themselves to be developers or developers who might not consider working on our platform is amazing. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be a part of this. Um, just because we're making inroads to prospective audiences 
that um, that I would not have considered before, um, kind of being a more traditional, unquote, developer relations person. Um, so, so I think um, I'm hoping I answered your question. I, I'm just, uh, but that's what I find exciting about about um, learning and, and increasing diversity because we can literally reach out to anybody, no matter who they are, where they're at in life, or what they identify as. Right. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, um, I discussed gamification with, um, I think it was Jeremy in the last podcast, and we were talking more about forums, and we both agreed that under those circumstances, we don't really want to encourage people to gamify, you know, forum responses. It's not about how many answers you put, it's about the quality. But when it's uh, self-learning, when it's something like Trailhead, where you are teaching yourself and you're aspiring to get the next medal or the next badge because you're wanting to get through to you know learn new stuff I think that's absolutely fine and I think that's great a lot of people I know I am very motivated by that I'm incredibly competitive with myself um and you know just to be able to say hey I've got gold today or whatever is yeah definitely yeah, I think um I think there's uh, sorry uh, sorry but I there's another really key part about um diversity and uh, inclusion that I neglected to mention and I wanted to mention it now it's it's what I'm calling or we call the company the trailblazer community and so there yes there is an online component but i think the secret sauce of what really makes a successful outreach is the in-person component right mm -hmm. so i mentioned earlier in my career we had these massive parties where people hauled in these giant towers these giant beige towers and these massive like i don't even know how they did it like i'm glad i'm glad people's backs are still functioning after all the hauling of equipment um but the the really important part is like we have the online component and then we have the in-person component and component and so the in-person component helps immeasurably in regards to increasing the diversity and inclusion because um when you're talking about things like that force that is that is a venue and a reason for people with shared interests to hang out together um, and do something together, which is learning how to make new things, right? So I think once you boil these, um, these needs, these basic human needs to get together and make things together, um, you've kind of unlocked a whole new avenue. So a lot of our activities are based around that. So we have things called um, developer, uh, global gatherings for events. Um, we have a lot of things with the Trailblazer community, and we have things called uh, BAM, which is called Be a Multiplier, where we're mm -hmm. teaching people how to kind of share or, or uh, spin up their own local groups and uh, learn things on Trailhead. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing is just being able to get local. And, and this goes back to a point I was going to make, which is that um, having sort of bigger events that are worldwide is great if you have childcare for a week and you can travel. But if you're someone like me and, you know, your time is limited, you've maybe only got four or five hours in a working day before you've got to pick up the, the children from school and, you know, school holidays are limited and the conference happens to be in the middle of the week when school is on. How do you, you know, you can't get to these things. And if you're not at these events, you miss out on building personal relationships with other developers and meeting um, the product managers and meeting and getting the content. 
So having a local group that meets on a Wednesday night when there is childcare available or on a Saturday morning or whatever, that is a fantastic way to continue to build your skills without having to sacrifice, you know, huge amounts of money or, or, or just be completely unable to do it. So I think, you know, when we're talking about inclusivity, it's, it's great for those that um, have the opportunity to travel and have the time. But we really need a lot more focus on those that don't have that and maybe provo- provide childcare at these events or, you know, yeah. other ways to encourage it. Definitely. So I think that's, that's the thing. We, we give a lot of empowerment to the local group leads themselves. Um, so they can, once we kind of give the core contents and the structure of it, they, they can run it however they like, which is really nice, right? So they can have it on a Saturday afternoon instead of a Wednesday or something like that, or they could have childcare as a part of their group meetings. Um, it's really kind of up to the people that are creating these local groups to define what means success for them. And I think that's really amazing. Mm, mm. I think that's that's um, fantastic that you offer that. Um, and you, do you provide do you provide the content so that all the groups uh, have the same starting point, and then they can take that and work with it? Is that how it works? Yeah, it's kind of like a menu, right? So um, we have a lot of different kinds of groups. So we have uh, developer groups, we have um, admin groups, we have nonprofits as well, and we also have like very very oh uh, I I need to make something very clear here actually they're not owned by, by Salesforce. <laughs> These are just groups of people that are super motivated to teach others and to learn about Salesforce. And I want to make that distinction really clear because I personally find it incredibly inspiring that people who are not actual employees are feeling so passionate about learning and about um, helping others learn the platform that they will take time out of their week and work with others to coordinate these kinds of groups. Um, I have the most massive uh, respect for everybody in the community who does these things and just seeing their activities, seeing the pictures of these meetup groups, um, it it really kind of warms my heart, to be honest. So we had a a launch called the, um, back in January, it's called the Lightning Launch. And it was, and I'm calling it a massive success, not only because, when I was here in uh, Salesforce headquarters, kind of like making sure everything worked on stage and the audio video was working and like the slides were great. Um, we were also working to make sure that everybody in their local developer groups were also able to experience what we shared here in San Francisco. So I worked really closely with developer evangelists and product managers to um, have content that could be shown and walked through by each of these groups by themselves in their own time. Um, and we, all, we made a bunch of videos, um, we had um, kind of presentations that people who didn't actually build the components personally or the product themselves could, could easily learn and share with others. And one thing that was really inspiring to me personally is not only did the developer evangelists want to participate in these uh, groups as well, but the product managers were so eager to uh, to spread the word to their to their groups because a lot of people at Salesforce work remotely. Um, they basically crashed a bunch of these groups, <laughs> and um, they were so they were so eager to see people actually work with what they had built 
they were joining their local developer groups and like if they were asked they were help they would help to um to present some of the material but most of the time um what what they wanted to do was see other people present what they had worked on for years and years and years right so that must be fascinating to see actually oh, yes yeah i mean you work on something for so long and just to just see it flourishing um in the community was it was a really validating moment for everybody in the company yeah yeah absolutely so i was going to ask you um i was going to say do you think each developer community has a particular style um and that, that i really meant you know from company to company but i guess you know in this case we're talking about different um you know just different chapters if you like of the beer multiplier the, the the groups that you have have you yeah. have you noticed very different styles and is there anything that kind of um uh consolidates them all that you that you see in each of um, so I think I'll, I'll take a, a left turn here um, and talk about the scale of these groups, right? So um, we have, if you go to tra the Trailblazer community, you can see like a lot of different groups in the region. What happened, so these, these meetup groups, like um, it's, it's basically a, a pretty large group of people getting together, hanging out. If you've been to any developer meetup, you kind of can, can imagine this in your head, right? Mm -hmm. One thing that happens is we have, I think about, I don't want to say numbers, but we have a bunch of these different groups that get together and they want to have bigger events for their own area and their own group and, um, and just bring people together. And so one example that's really sticking out in my head right now, um, and it has a really amazing personality. So it's a community generated group called Forcelandia. And of course, it's in Portland, Oregon, and so it's a play on words on Portlandia, which is that that television show. And their tagline for their particular conference, which is actually like a bunch of different um, user groups and and different developers who are coming in from all over the regions. Um, their motto is uh, APIs and IPAs, and uh, it has like a super hipstery logo with like a little uh, cross line and a circle around it. <laughs> and I am I am so uh, entertained by the way that they kind of have their own branding for their, uh, for their conference that's put on by this group of different uh, groups. Um, so there's a lot of that happening. So um, there's a series of these for our admin community called Dreamin'. So they're called mm -hmm. Dreamin'. So it's like Southwest, you know, uh, Dream Olay, I think is something that happens in Spain, which is kind of a larger um, developer conference that happens there. So um, just to be clear, th these are all happening globally, right? Um, another one that's really fun is called uh, London Colin, which is of course that the play on, on the song on the um, song by The Clash. Mm -hmm. um, it has its own kind of uh, personality and look and feel and community branding. So I just love how um, everybody is so passionate about it. They just take it in their own direction and, um, and kind of, it's fan art, basically. Yes. <laughs> it's so creative, it's so artistic. Um, there's another thing I wanna mention if you look on Twitter and if you look online, there's a thing called Shirt Force. And what they do is they take concepts that are really popular with developers and they make uh, kind of bespoke uh, shirts that are really funny for, for other developers that work on Salesforce. So one example is, uh, is they have one shirt that kind of looks like the ACDC logo. And oh, it's yeah. FDC instead of ACDC. Um, another one was for our most recent Lightning Web Components launch. Um, we had a hashtag that was called um, Code Goals. And because a lot of um, our personality for uh, Trailhead has characters, 
um, they had made their own fan art, I guess, basically, of code goals, and they called it code goats. Um, <laughs> they had like uh, the Matrix style ASCII uh, goat as the art on the shirt. So it's it's just such a great, um, funny, witty uh, developer community, and and it, I love it. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's really coming across. It's great. It's, it's really interesting to think that the it's like the sun never sets on the Salesforce empire. It's just around the world there are <laughs> people yeah, meeting yeah. and discussing it. <laughs> it's true. Um, that's why I'm looking forward to Trailhead DX because they're all, they're all coming here. I get to say hi to them. Yeah, so tell us about that. Let's move on. Tell us about um, the conference. When is it and who's going? Oh, yeah. So uh, it's our fourth annual uh, developer conference uh, for Salesforce, and it's called Trailhead DX. And it's starting on May 28th. So that's right around Memorial Day for the Americans that are listening here. Um, and it's not really like most developer conferences. Like I've, I've been kind of on the production side for many of them, especially as I've been with uh, Nokia and Microsoft and Google. And I think it's really different because you'll see people from all walks of life attend the event. Um, a big chunk of them have made kind of mid-career transitions um, and learned a lot of things from trail, Trailhead. So you'll, you can definitely see those kinds of people walking around. Um, and so we also have um, a lot of the people that are kind of traditional enterprise developers join as well. So it's a really, for me, from a sociological standpoint, just fascinating to see all these people engage with each other and learn together. Um, in terms of content, um, we have quite a lot of our content is um, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So it's the people who actually make the products, um, sharing the latest about what developers can build with. So we have a lot of exciting news coming out um, from, from Salesforce to the developer community about things like Lightning Web Components. So I mentioned that we just launched that in January. We're really excited about to share our progress on that product since then. Um, and we're also highlighting a lot of the work that we're doing um, together with, uh, with the different product teams on the MuleSoft and Heroku areas as well. So, um, so even if people can't join in person, um, it's really good for uh, folks to tune in or at least uh, keep an ear peeled on Twitter where we're going to have a lot of announcements coming out. Okay. And what was, um, what's your um, hashtag or account that people should be following? Oh yeah. So um, on Twitter, we're Salesforce devs. Um, I, I know a lot of folks don't use Twitter uh, these days. Um, we're also on Facebook. So that's also Salesforce developers. We're, we're pretty boring when it comes to that branding. <laughs> 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 but you know, uh, we are also a, a Fortune 500 company. So we got to keep it, keep it legit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about um, developer marketers? So, um, you know, those that are in our audience, either those that are experienced or maybe those that are just starting to get um, interested in this area. What, what's happening at Trailhead DX for them? For developer marketers marker specifically, I think one thing that I find fascinating um, is the positioning and messaging and the work that goes into um, kind of our our keynote activities, such as um, our developer our opening keynote for the developer conference, which happens on day one. Um, and what I find fascinating about it is that um, we're really kind of laddering up really intelligent way. So um, I think one thing that has always been really important to me personally is being direct, right? So like we we have an emphasis in our messaging and positioning of uh, directness. So if we do have kind of a, a key value, 
we are very clear to back it up with um, actual proof points that developers can get their hands on uh, pretty much immediately. And that's something that we strive for throughout all of our content. So, um, so I think that's gonna be fascinating, kind of like that linkage between like what we're saying and how we're saying it and what we're delivering out to the community is something that would be great from a developer marketing perspective. From a straight marketing perspective, I recommend developer marketers or marketers in general attend the event or just check out the event because the branding is spectacular. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you've really seen this before for Salesforce, but um, we have um, kind of an amazing um, kind of metaphor, which is kind of this, this woodsy kind of Northern California exploratory design, I guess, kit. Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of branding, we also have these amazing characters. So like, um, you know, we have Octocat and we have like this new for Reddit. Um, so we have kind of our own um, cast of characters uh, that has been going over resoundingly well um, with, uh, with the community at large. And so the three characters, I guess the three primary, primary characters we have, um, we don't have nearly as many characters as on, say, for example, Game of Thrones, but um, we have a gang of them. Astronomical, they are uh, kind of the lead character. So the pronouns mm -hmm. for Astro is they. Um, and so the representative character that we have for developers is actually Cody the bear. And so if you go to our website or if you see our social and you see kind of a bear that looks like a pear, um, that is kind of the developer uh, character and in, in character in like the Disney character sense. Um, and so we also have for our admin community, we have a, a goat that is named uh, Cloudy. And so those three characters from at least from a developer marketing perspective, I think are fascinating. Um, because developers love characters, <laughs> as you can see from a lot of the other platforms that we've got going on and all the other um, kind of engagements that we have. Um, I think uh, Samsung, if I recall correctly, also had like Artie to reflect Arctic. So um, from a developer marketing standpoint, it's really um, fascinating to see how much developer communities latch on to personifications or characterizations of their persona. I love mm, it. That's, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, I think um, I, I think a lot of people I know I will be tuning in on May the twenty eighth just to you know get a closer look at that kind of thing um, and see you know how you guys do it because clearly you're really very very successful in um, building an audience both at a, a macro level and an, a much um, you know, smaller and larger level. So you've got all your bases covered. Um, it's been fascinating talking to you, Arabella. Thank you so much. We haven't got round to all the questions that I was going to ask, but I think we'll have to get you get you on again. And if um, people are interested, we do have a chapter from um, a colleague of yours, or possibly an ex-colleague of yours now um, from Salesforce, um, in the book Developer Marketing: The Essential Guide, which uh, Slash Data published back in September 2018. Um, and I'm, I'm having edited the book. I'm familiar with a lot of the um, things that you mentioned there. So there's more detail in the book, um, which people may be interested in checking out. So thank you very much, Arabella, and to our audience for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast developed, devoted to developer marketing and relations. If you want to listen to other episodes, you can subscribe at developermarketingpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at slash data HQ for regular updates. Thank you. Thank you.